This is Just Another Thought Process. Just another what? Just Another Thought. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Just Another Thought Process. I'm here with Mr. Gabriel Iglesias. So why don't you introduce yourself, Gabriel? Well, every, uh, I'm pretty sure that's a, that's a comedian, isn't it? Is yeah, it, Gabriel Iglesias widely, is, widely known, is uh, a comedian. Uh, Hispanic? Yeah, is he? No, he's a singer. Oh no, no, you know, yeah, the big, the big, the big, the big that's, guy. That's, that's Enrique Iglesias. Damn, stunningly looking dude. That's the, the one. Yeah, that's Enrique. Um, yeah. Gabriel's the yeah, big yeah. guy, yeah. the comedian. He's hilarious, by yeah, the way. Love his work. But anyway, anyway, you're not a comedian. Didn't think we'd be plugging him so early on the show or yeah. <laughs> at all. Well, uh, yeah, I didn't. That, that, honestly, that wasn't my aim of the game, but uh, but it's that's, happened. And yes. if you want to sponsor the show, let's do it. Anyway. I don't think I've ever called you Gabriel before. I think that's yeah, why. Gabs. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is Gabs. Start again. Go. Um, Who are you? Yeah, I'm. Uh, my friends call me Gabs. My full name is Gabriel, but it's usually Gabs. And uh, I've just guess I've just known Seb here uh, through my brother mainly, but for many, 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 many years. Too many to mention on a show. Nearly 20, 20, yeah. uh, more. I've known you for nearly 90% of your life, 80% of your life. Yeah, since yeah. I was a... A wee lad. Four, a wee lad. Four years of age, Potentially I think. an annoying lad. I don't, I don't, I don't remember you much as the yeah. wee lad. Got yeah. to know you more in high school. I was anyway. quieter back in the day, but anyway. So um, you're Gabs, you're one of my closest mate's brothers, and then you became a close mate after yeah. that as well. Yeah. Um, you also went to the same schools as I went to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same primary school, mm. same high school. So yeah, we, we've had exposure. We have. We have a lot of Definitely exposure. Definitely had exposure. And yeah. you've been studying. Yes, and uh, yeah, I, I guess I've, I've been asked to... Uh, participate in your podcast well you know yeah, what well, we always have good conversations have good and i wanted to i wanted to catch it on yeah. on on, uh, on the recording and mm. then share it with the world yeah. and hopefully it brings value to someone <laughs> and it's probably just going to be me in 50 years looking back on all this wow what did i do it'll be good fun though but you did it i did and you did it because you wanted to do it. i did that's exactly mm. right yeah so um, you, yeah, anyway I, yeah, I guess i'll give a blurb about myself in a yeah, just quickly. Different light. Yeah, so what I say in job interviews is I just uh, finished my honours in psychology last year doing a project uh, looking into the perspectives of Parkinson's patients when it comes to information access about a uh, kind of last-line treatment for them called deep brain stimulation, which is a innovative surgical procedure that involves uh, kind of putting a pacemaker for the brain into people. So they will live for the rest of their lives with electrical leads uh, that are attached to electrodes in their brain, which, when turned on, stimulate that area of the brain. And the goal is for those electrodes to be on throughout the entire day to... Give them more control over... Yeah, so Parkinson's is a motor control disease Mm. disorder that... uh, means that many people this is you know like shaking of the hand is and, very and other limbs is an incredibly common symptom there's other things like mm. gait issues and posture etc but mm. yeah the common one you'll hear is, the, shake, most yeah, about is the shaking and yeah. by turning the electricity on in the right areas of the brain you many hypotheses as to how it works but i'll just say dampen activity in the brain so you won't be able to get rid of it completely no but you, you alter activity in the brain to lessen shaking um often to the point where yeah like it's you can't gone, see it yeah. but you know it's it's not foolproof it doesn't always work there's many issues with it don't sit there listening to me going like oh that's amazing it works for everyone it's got its issues everyone should research it that's actually what about my thesis was about was promoting accurate information about it it's not a miracle cure etc right yeah. my grandma sorry both my grandmothers had parkinson's and I've always been worried that it's a genetic disease. Is it? <laughs> I'm not like I actually didn't look too much into the genetics of it. I, do, I believe there will likely be a genetic component, but to, as to whether it's like you know, it's genetic and that means it happens, yeah. or it's genetic and it needs environmental triggers to activate well, or something like that. I haven't done much research on no. this, but I I, I understand that it, it's sort of like the slow decrease of of your you know i don't know what i'm talking about let's just continue on what is it anyway well i can't actually tell you what it is exactly i looked into the information about it it's been a little while i'd have to refresh myself um 
but yeah, I was looking more at deep brain stimulation yeah. than heavily studying Parkinson's. So while I know quite a bit about Parkinson's, I don't know everything about it, and I can't talk about it as easily as I can deep brain stimulation. But anyway, that's that's my brief history from last year, and since then I've been working in sociology research, and uh, I guess I'll just yeah, sociology research accurately defines it as <laughs> it's quite broad. Um, what I've been working in, but it's in the area of psychology and sociology. And how yeah. old are you? 24. 24 years of age. Yes. Yes. And looking to be a doctor soon. I was not That's the aim. That's doctor, the aim of the game. Doing a, a PhD within the finished PhD in the next six years. Sure. But you've always loved psychology. That was yes. in, that was yeah. in high school and then throughout uni because you focused on psychology. Yeah. Why? Human behavior, really. Um, I probably should have done behavioral studies. Okay. Well, 18-year-old me would have gone, I should have done behavioural studies. <laughs> I actually like now enjoy more than that about psychology. I actually went to uni thinking that I'd do criminology because I did, um, well, I watched White Collar, the TV show, a lot back then and went, fuck, criminology is sick. I love crime. I love, love fraud, fraudulent people. Why? Studying them. Why would you love fraudulent, fraudulent people? fraudulent people, but just studying them, understanding... Well, it'd be interesting crimes that people do. Well, I'd be. I, I'd like to know what went through their brain in order to rationalise it for one. But for two, they've all also found a way to rot the system that no one's thought of. So in a way, it's quite. It's quite. A, they're quite intelligent in a way. Mm-hmm. Have you Have you seen Catch Me If You Can? Potentially, but not. It's, enough it's to about. Record. It's got Leonardo DiCaprio, and it's about mm-hmm. this guy who who defrauded. The banking system of so much money with like fake checks he was able to um counterfeit checks all over america yeah. and he pretended to be a pilot and he noticed that if he was if he was a certain person of certain stature they would just cash these checks that were fake um and he defrauded the system for like ages and then the end of the movie it shows you that he actually they actually um enlist him to help him to help find yeah. other people okay, yeah. um, once, he's, once he was captured mm. which I found quite interesting because you, you're using someone who who did do kind of bad stuff well, see I, I kind of like I don't even know if it's bad if he's found that way to defraud the system I think he's onto something and he, he's <laughs> kind of he kind of deserves it because if he's, he's able to do it he's, he's done it well but that's it, it it's wrong it's, it, it's, it's wrong it does yeah. yeah if you're putting out the bank and, yeah but yeah, that's what you whether, mean. If you're whether, taking the, other people's money, then yeah. I if you're putting out the bank, maybe not, but if by putting out the bank, you're putting, you're putting out, out other people, people the bank then yes. Serve, yeah. yeah. Because, like, I mean, big banks are big banks. Well, yeah, They've but they, I don't want to take them money. But it was interesting at how, uh, at how we was able to do that through, you know, it wasn't just uh, counterfeiting the checks, it was how he acted with people and, and then being enlisted onto the after all that to be able to help police force to find other people because he knew all the secrets he would he was able to change it and he's actually the guy who's been um who helped with all our current processes it would have been because of him that, that all this other uh, fraudulent fraud stuff would have stopped so it's interesting to see how something someone who's been able to defraud the system has impacted the system in a good way yeah well i mean Going back to how you started talking about all of that, that you're like, well, it'd be interesting to know what how people justify, rationalize their actions mm. or what it is that drives it to them. Mm. And I definitely see one is affecting a certain type of crime and one is affecting another certain type of crime, right? So in a lot of circumstances, it's very easy to justify what you do mm. because it comes down to, a, in my head, a stringency of your human rights and what you deserve, right? So a lot of the time, people... Thieves and other things—they steal because they actually have to. Yes. Or they believe that they have to because of the social system that they're setting. Right. Depends on the thief. Yeah, it does. Like obviously, I'm not saying 100% of crime or thievery is done because of Mm -hmm. this, but a lot of the time, it's you know, people who steal are from a low socioeconomic background, and they're in a situation where they believe that's the best, well, easiest, often. And also, best way for them to acquire money. Yes. They actually need to continue surviving. Like they, you know, that's kind of their income. That's how mm-hmm. they do it. Well, that's how being because taught. It's also yeah. how they're being taught. Yeah, yeah. So you've got this systemic social 
reason for them doing mm. it. You've got an environmental in terms of their upbringing. Mm. Um, and yeah, you put them together and you get people commit that kind of crime because they need something. So the, the, the rationalisation often isn't actually that prevalent because they need to do it. Hmm. Whereas you switch to talking about things like fraud and white collar crime. Hmm. It's actually often people who, they don't no. need to fraud it. They're just being greedy. They just want more and more and more. Well, yeah, there's yeah. greedy, but they want a certain lifestyle that yeah. they've been sold, Yeah, which is kind of systemic as well. Like you're in this social social sort of definitely if you go in a bit more macro mm. then you can look at the social systems mm. and sit there and go well actually this kind of consumerist culture that we live in breeds this behavior mm. breeds people that need to go out there it and does get more and more and more well, and, you know, yeah exactly what are you sold on like movies and and people on instagram people on facebook and how they live you know you're sold a way of living is by and this is actually the topic that we were going to get into <laughs> before Often, social influencers. Yes. Who promote a certain lifestyle, promote a certain way of being, you know, and they have an audience that then believes that that is how they should be. All right? I don't know if we're going to find that many social influencers on Instagram, etc., that are doing crime and promoting crime, a lot of thievery. You know, I don't think they go, hey, I stole this today and put it on Instagram. But... No. So maybe not the smoothest transition into our topic, <laughs> but a transition. A transition nonetheless. <laughs> well, we could just use this as a conversation. It doesn't even transition to anything. So I actually like what we're talking about fraud stuff, but um, I like your amazing, uh, was it, what's the word where you're really subtle? Yeah, very subtle transition into a social... Well, yeah, um, I saw it and I went for it. <laughs> you, saw, you saw the opportunity and you just took it. I took it. I thought about it and I went, yeah, I'm going to do this. Let's just do it. But anyway, um, yeah, so before we turn the mic on and the The, the mic's already on. on. The screen's on. We've been recording. Oh, so Before we turned it on, <laughs> we were talking about what we were going to talk about today and we came up with social influences and I went, hey, there's this psychology, social psychology yep. uh, experiment. Very influential people who study psychology. Sorry, you've heard it. You've heard it many times. I've heard it many times. So. Been drilled into you. It's kind of like, it's not as big as the Zimbardo prison experiment or the um, Milgram conformity, obedience studies that were done uh, to try to explain Nazi Germany behaviours. Mm. Uh, this one's a bit smaller, but it was done by uh, someone called Aish. I've forgotten his first name right now. His name's H. 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 Like A I S C H, you know. Some variant like of that spelling. Double O seven or something. No, no, no. Just, <laughs> just Q. Q. It's actually done by Judy Dench. Um, Dame Judy Dench, yes. Uh, but no, yeah, um, yeah. It was, a, it was a conformity study done by this, this dude called Aish uh, that looked into why people conform in social settings. You know, uh, why do a lot of people feel the need to look like other people, be like other people, act like other people, live the way other people live, um, and just in every way be the way that someone else is in society? Maybe our individualist societies aren't really going in the same direction that that study thought people were. Like, these days, you've got a lot of people that are trying to express who they are, but it's still very relevant because even those people will have at times found themselves doing this or struggling with this yeah. and conforming and when should I conform, how do I conform, why yeah. do I conform, you know? Fair enough. Yeah. Before you continue, let's just go through what the study does. Yeah. yeah. Just give that background yeah. so, for myself. So imagine you walk in a room and there's six other people there and you've been told you're about to take a test. Like, you know, they, for whatever reason, they want to get the your answers to this test, mm-hmm. right? You don't know that everyone else in that room is actually a paid actor who's part of the study. You think that, all right, I'm one of these, all these people are here for the same reason. 20 bucks. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hey man, do you want 20 bucks? That sounds dicey. Yeah. (laughs) We just want you to do a test. It's going to take half an hour. (laughs) Done. I'll do it. So, you know, you're in a room, other people are there, you're doing a test. There's an experimenter up the front. He's got a bunch of questions. The questions are really... Simple things like how long are these lines, right? You've got to choose, it's multi-choice, you've got to choose A, B, C or D. 
got a 25% chance of getting it right, even if you don't know it, but uh, you're gonna know it because the question is, that, yeah, which one of this, which line out of these four is the longest line? And say, you know, two of them are two centimeters, one of them's four centimeters, another one's eight centimeters. You know the one that is eight centimeters is longer than the rest. But everyone else puts their hand up for the one that's four centimeters long. This is question one, you go, well, I'm right, I know that it's the eight centimeter one, I'm gonna put my hand up for the eight centimeter one. Question two comes around and suddenly, you know, the longest line there's nine centimeters and the rest are one centimeter and two centimeters still and everyone else is putting their hand up for the two centimeter one and you're like, well, it's the nine centimeter one. But then the third question comes around and it's, which one of these dots is red? <laughs> and you know, it's four dots, one red, the others are blue, green and yellow and you go, what the hell? Why is everyone putting up their hand for the blue dot when it's the red dot? Are they all colorblind? Probably not. Um, whatever. I'm going to put my, my hand for the blue dot. And people, you know, they do. And they did. You often find yourself conforming to the behaviors of other people, even when you know you're right mm. and they're wrong. Which, you know, how applicable is that to a lot of situations that people have been in? It happens so much and a lot of the time you're in the moment even thinking about it and you still do it mm -hmm. you know it's not this subconscious thing of like oh well i'm gonna you know I, I mean i just am now conforming you actually think about it as you do it but you still conform well it would be interesting put in that situation i mean i can't imagine what would be going through my mind as as, as people are saying the wrong answers you're like what the did they all forget their contact did, did I, did I go to wrong you know? school? Yeah. See, and it'd be interesting to see. I, I would love to know if I would conform. I, I would be very interested in this. But, you know, I probably would, but I have a, I have a weird stubbornness about me where, where I'm, I'm not. So I would like to know if that plays out. Like, mm. no, nah, you're wrong. And I just flip the chair and leave. But I would love to have known. But it's interesting how you say that people conform knowing their right like knowing they're wrong so 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 with this study after they finish the test do they do they ask this person how they felt in each question look or was it just sort of i don't think so no um back then like it's very possible they did i don't remember the extent of okay. it to that degree yeah. it's kind of presented in psychics like oh look what these people did uh it was done throughout an era with questionable ethics processes uh okay. so I don't know if they would have had a debriefing of like, you know, this is what we did it for and this is why we did it. Um, things like the Zimbardo experiment and Milgram often didn't and it's been... Those states were a turning point in the ethics of psychology research. Mm. The, it's the reason why now if you want to do any kind of research you have to pass... Well, any kind of research that has ethical questions related to it, you have to pass it by an ethics board. Of, you know, mm -hmm. Every uni has one. Hospitals everywhere has an mm -hmm. ethics board in relation to these things. So I can't tell you exactly what questions the participants were asked afterwards. They were kind of just interested in how people were conforming. What impact... So we're talking about just... They're, they're a random sample of groups, so they're random yeah. people affecting you. Yeah. So what if you have your own you know, parents building in, 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 into these... Their mm. own sort of ideas on what something should be into your life throughout your childhood, right? So would that mean that you would play out these bad, let's say, not habits, but these, these ideology, ideo, 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 ideolo, <laughs> ideologies, ideological, oh freaking hell. ideologies, yes, yeah. ideologies your whole life. Yeah. And then what happens when you're presented with something that, that would say, would present uh, evidence against that? How would you react? How would I react personally, or how do I think people? How do you think people react? reject? Well, oh, let's know. Let's go with how you would react, and then me personally. Yeah. Uh, well, there have been times when I have stubbornly gone, "No, that's not a thing," or times that I've gone, "No, I don't want to," you know, like hear that. Really? Um, well, yeah, you know, obviously, there's always times when someone brings something up that is counter to how you think, and you mm. just immediately, mm. immediately discount it and mm. go, "That's not a thing." Like I don't, I don't believe that. I don't think that is a thing. And here's X, Y, Z reason why. When you present them without ever really thinking about them or thinking about the evidence behind them, mm. um, I like to think that since doing philosophy at university, that I, as some of my some of my subjects, a minor, not a major or anything. So I'm not the 
most philosophical person out there, but I did do some and I did really try to embrace the, uh, when I feel uncomfortable about something, that that is a point where I should probe it and try to understand why Why I feel uncomfortable about it. And then often I find when I feel uncomfortable about a belief someone else has presented to me Mm. and how that impacts on my own beliefs, it's because I don't actually have a strong enough evidence base to believe what I do believe. Mm. It's because I don't know anything about it. So like I'll use, for example, this isn't the one with the most uh, emotional attachment to me, but I do remember this quite vividly. You know, first time someone went to me, I don't think humans have free will. And I went, what do you mean? Like, humans have free will, maybe we make our own choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I did a whole unit on free will and philosophy, mm-hmm. and I actually, like, went into the definitions of what free will are and thought about what free will is, and mm-hmm. I got, like, actually a whole informed base of evidence to, put, like, you know, build a decision about what I thought about free will. And I actually don't think humans have free will in the strictest way that I could define it, you know? Like, uh, yeah, I remember, I, I remember doing that Yeah, with like, my philosophy, one elective. Yeah. And we looked at it, and I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? And of course. But I, I can understand how you would come across. That, that would change your whole way of thinking, Yeah, specifically. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of the times, you know, like, I'm not a religious person. Um, but there are times, you know, when I've been talking to religious people, and I'll say something, and they'll just go, hey, that's... That's not how I believe this thing. And here's some rhetoric that I've, you know, it's been taught to me that I've never actually thought about. Uh, and then I've been like, well, why, what actually evidence do you have for that? And they go, um, I don't know. It's hard with religion because it's about faith. But, you know, there are certain little things that you go, hmm have you thought about that before? Have you informed it with an actual, you know, proper decision that is based on some kind of information that you've thought about or, mm. you know, that's something that has a reason that has some premises behind it as opposed to a reason that has no premises behind it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, they haven't, and they get uncomfortable with certain ideas and beliefs because they haven't ever thought something or that idea yeah. specifically through to a certain point. Um, I'll bring up the example of, I was once approached by someone uh, from this political group at Monash University. They're, they're quite infamous. Uh, they were called Socialist Alternative at the time. They, they, the, you know, e- extreme left. Okay, um, yep. uh, and their thing at the time was they hated... Well, they were campaigning about freedom in Palestine. Mm. Um, you know, Israelis, you should get out. Palestine mm. is for the Palestinians etc etc and this this girl walked up to me and was like hey you know have you heard about this and i went hey i have have you actually heard any of this like you know have what can you actually tell me what you're basing that news by because it was a soundbite they'd gotten from somewhere yeah yeah. and they didn't they couldn't give me one article one citation at all or anything more apart from the soundbite that informed their belief and I went, well, actually, let me give you some stuff. Because I actually talked about <laughs> one of my Jewish friends about this, like, 10 minutes ago, you know. And here's, like, three article, news articles uh, and, like, two research articles that I can give you about this topic that tells you that what you just told me isn't actually how things are happening. Mm-hmm. What you've just talked to me about is actually propaganda. Mm-hmm. And... They went into their shell. They didn't want to talk about it. They were in denial. Uh, you know. Well, it's interesting. It, sorry, my phone there. It's interesting how I, I, I listen to a lot of books, and one of them is, is uh, "How to Win Friends." We How to Win Friends, friends and Influence People. Have you read it? I haven't read it, but I know of it. Look, it's 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 quite a good book, um, but it talks about how you know if someone comes up to you with an idea and. Go away, phone. I should have turned it off. It's vibrating. Um, and they talk about something they believe in or they feel passionate about. Even if they're wrong and you start pointing out uh, things that are wrong with their belief or whatever it is, they will they will either go back in their shell or they will just try and back up their belief on this fact. They won't accept your way of thinking. Um, and I found it interesting on how to change people's mind, to change people's minds, you have to agree with them. 
<laughs> It'd be like, not not you have to, but the way you can't really tack and say, no, that's wrong. You'd be like, yes, that, but have you thought of it this way? Or, you know, okay, yeah, fair enough, but I think of it like this. And then you're like, okay, if you accept what I've, I've said, what, what what's, he, what's he coming from? And you're more likely to change their way of thinking by doing it that way. And I get where you're yeah. coming from, but and you only had a small space of time and you probably didn't want to <laughs> change your mind anyway. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. They approached me. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, and I can understand where you're coming from. Like sometimes they're just like, ah, oh, just like, leave me alone. What I, leave? Oh, I just want to do my shit. Um, but I do find that interesting, and that, that's how how you influence people. In terms of that book, whether it's right or wrong, I have no clue. Well, it it's actually there's a lot of studies done on that, yes. and it is definitely shown that people respond a bit better. People respond better when they feel as if someone's on their side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's not helpful in so many circumstances, especially not for mm. trying to get someone on board to your way of thinking. Mm. If you're confrontational about it, <laughs> I've got to turn this phone off. It's going to drive me insane. Sorry. Right. Pause for a second. Where the hell is this phone? Is it the one you're recording this? Oh, shit, it's there. Okay, yeah, don't worry about it. Just keep going. Uh, just small, small uh, break, bro- bro- blokes, bro- folks. It's- Sorry, small folks. Small to you by. Small break. Broke to you. Broke to you by. Small break. Oh my god. Anyway, continue on. What were we talking about? Influencing people. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you want to talk to someone and influence them, then yeah, you often have to present it as if you're on their side, or you have mm. to present it at least with a cool mind in a mm. non-confrontational manner, right? Yeah. And when you bring confrontation, people go into their shell. Yeah. Right. That, that's. In one way, if I was to boil down why the left never has not progressive, um, conducive talks with the right, let's say conducive, is because one says something and the other withdraws. You know? Yeah. It's, it's just that there's such incredible difference between ideologies yeah, yeah. that people immediately withdraw. Well, people speak in context, yeah, people yeah. withdraw. You know? But how can they maintain their side of uh, their belief and show that to the media? while also being able to agree with the other side. I don't think it's possible for them to do it in our current political climate. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if I was left and you were right, and we were both politicians, and we were on a talk show, how could I be like, you know, you talk about, say, say you talk about coal, like using coal and creating mines, and I can't, I can't be like, yeah, I agree with that, and then start talking about my shit. How, how, how are you able to... And this is... This is this is what I find quite difficult in situations. I don't agree with, or I don't agree with someone. I'm like, yeah, um, and then I try and do it. But I find it very difficult to be like, no, that's not how I, I see it. That's, that's not right. When in, rea- in reality, my, my view might not even be correct. Mm. But it's how can you become more aware of that? That's really irritating me. How can you become more aware of, of, of that sort of impact in that in that, in that situation is just just be more aware of what you're thinking be more aware of what what they're gonna do maybe be more aware of their reaction i guess yeah brain training being in the moment yeah. understanding yeah what, what the situation's going to be and how you should interact in response to it yeah and just coming to things with a, a level head but you can't yeah. say yes to everything like no like, no you, if someone's going to make a bad decision in business and, and you're like, if they do that, like, no. And like, you're the boss. You can't be like, yeah, but you can do it this way. You kind of have to be like, no, you're doing it this way. You don't, there has to be some, but where is that line sometimes? So it's, it's, it's all in the framing, yeah. right? So the project I'm working on at the moment, we're trying to figure out how we can present things that will probably promote deficit stereotypes. So... So I'm working on a, I'll, I'll give a brief background without mentioning the institution or anything. Um, I'm working on a project that's trying to uh, identify the factors of poverty in different Australian yep. suburbs, yep. right? Yep. And so the danger is that once we figure out exactly what they are for each suburb and we show them to people, mm. that the media is going to go, okay, look, this suburb, let's just... Well, I'm from Richmond. Let's say Richmond. I don't actually... Like, this is not accurate data or anything. I'm making this up in my head. From Richmond too. It's gay. Yeah, let's say... Access to services... 
crime, youth unemployment, drug use are the things that are driving people into poverty there. And you advertise that. And you advertise that to the people in the suburb. There's this thing called labelling theory mm-hmm. uh, in criminology, actually, which is where I first learned about it. But it's a very prominent theory. Is that, you know, it's it's if I was to boil it down to like a one sentence thing, it says that people become what you tell them they are. Yeah. Right? So if I go to a kid in that suburb and tell them that you are growing up in a drug addled suburb with that is full of like low educated people. My boss actually like puts it this way. He he did a study once when he talked to young people, uh, you know, primary schoolers, and he asked them, What did you what do you want to do when you grow up? And they said, I want to be an astronaut. I want to, I want to be the top lawyer. I want to be prime minister. Mm-hmm. I want to do something no one's ever thought about. Mm-hmm. I want to reach Mars, basically. You know, like, I want to do the next amazing thing. And then he interviewed people years later in high school. And he said, what do you want to do when you're older? So he interviewed the same people? I couldn't tell you if they're the same people. Okay, yeah, yeah. But that's the way he tells it. Yeah. Um, and their response is, what does it matter? I'm a dumb kid from a dumb suburb. You know, I'm from a poor yeah, suburb, yeah. right? And so that labeling has changed this power, person's yeah. progression about yeah, how yeah. they think, what they think they can achieve in yeah. their life given their situation. Yeah. yeah. And so the danger is that a deficit, deficit stereotype, mm-hmm. reinforcing a deficit stereotype, is that you will put all these attitudes into this suburb that you didn't want to be there Yeah. purely because you've said that's what they're like. Or like, right, you know, yeah, you've yeah. identified that this suburb is bad at education. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? You will make it worse in there in the future because right, you'll make people believe that. And people will either try to get out of that or... or yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I get what you're talking so, about. So... But that's... that. Sorry, it's just good. That, yeah. that, that idea is... on Usually, if you have a wealthy suburb, usually the people there, the kids, will turn out wealthy because of the groups they've grown up in. Yeah. So it's the same thing, really. Yeah. And a couple of things I've read is... Someone's heard this term somewhere where you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it, it, it's kind of that same sort of idea that, you you know, whatever you surround yourself around will is what... You will become. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting because my dad was always like, you know, you, there's a fine line between giving people false sort of ideas of what... Like, if you're, if you're a kid that's been told you can do whatever you want, you can be whoever you want to be, I love my parents, right. but that was their soul messaging. It's a, it's, it's a great their message. Soul messaging, but they message it's a great, but, a lot, yeah. but they forget to put in there. You can do anything. You can be here with, with a lot of hard work. If you put in there, that, that hasn't that kind of leaves. And then you've got people winning, you know, tenth gold medals. And this is yeah. something that have you heard of Gary Vaynerchuk? Gary V. He talks about this stuff all the time. I love this guy. He talks about how you know giving people a medal for participating is actually a detriment to it's making the value of participating. Yeah. It's the, making the value of the other medals less because you're giving this person something for nothing really yeah. and you're teaching them such a, such a bad habit in a way um, in, in terms of you know like maybe well you're their, teaching the kid that you their don't future activities yes. in yes. in putting in effort but yeah. they're also like there are positive other lessons like you know just learning to be able to enjoy something for the fun of it you know but I, I get what you're saying mm. but yeah like the negativity can be that you're rewarding them for doing nothing and they learn that that's the norm. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. And if you, if you give... Yeah. But, yeah. I, I can see where you're coming from. Mm. Like, is there more negative than positive? Yeah. Or yeah, is yeah, there more positive know, than negative? I, I don't know. But comments, yeah. When I heard that, I was like, that's an interesting mm. interesting way of thinking about it. Anyway, going back to what you were talking about. Mm. So, so you don't want to... I was talking about how you frame things, right? Mm. How you frame these conflicts that you could potentially be having with your coworker who you want to go you want to say no you can't do it like that because this is the right, right way to do it mm. right you don't have to say it like that this is the most povo suburb in education right but I don't have to say that what I can say is there is education is a key area that needs not even uh, there there's a huge opportunity here to build uh, yeah, a, yep, yep. to build a key strength in this community yep, by yep. increasing you know the services yeah, yeah, yeah. in this area right so instead of saying this area is full of homeless people we need to change that you go there's there's like an opportunity to build more houses to increase the capacity of the community right 
you change how you talk about it. You don't talk about homeless people. You talk yep. about people experiencing homelessness. That's that's yep. another thing that has come up recently is person-centered language as opposed to like situation yep. person language. Yep. So like instead of saying, yeah, homeless person, you say person experiencing homelessness, which puts the negativity onto the like, uh, not the person itself, yeah, 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 yeah. but the experience experience that someone is having and it, it immediately brings you into like, like oh you know they're they're a person experiencing homelessness yeah, yeah, they're yeah. not just a, a homeless you know, person a, forever yeah yeah, yeah. it's just at that point in time mm. but do you think that is uh part of and i don't want to take any value i think that's quite a valuable thing but what about kind of driving off topic a bit but restricting our language in a way that makes it easier to hear in a way does, does that make sense where I'm coming from? So, and I'm, I can't remember the term, but you know, with with a lot of things now, you can't say certain things, you you know, because you, you might political correct. That's right. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Is it more on that side of things, or is it just because is that the direction where political correctness went or came from originally? Maybe, I and mean, then transformed maybe. into something else. I think political correctness came from. Hey, actually, guys, we're speaking in ways that aren't conducive to inclusion and other stuff. We're actually othering people and being kind of dicks to this whole yeah, sector yeah, of society yeah. just yeah, through yeah. the way we talk, right? Yeah. I don't think this is coming at it from that way. This is just realizing that inherently negative speech and a way of speaking about something kind of breeds yeah, more yeah. negativity within that area. And so if we want to. And I see this in even my own, like this translates to people's behavior and mm. everything. Mm. It's just like, if you come at something with a more positive mindset, yes. you get more positive energy around Definitely. it and you get more positive belief and you get people going, Hey, we can do stuff, you know? Smile, smile always makes people happy. Yeah. Even if they're not feeling happy, <laughs> they return a smile. Yeah. You know, and th- there's a whole range of things that would just do better from a bit more positive messaging. Yeah. And it's that kind of angle of just switching something from a, a negative conversation that you could have to a positive conversation that might be more productive. So mm. you don't go to your boss and go, no, this is the way you have to do it because that's actually how this works. Mm. You've just got to, and I don't have the answer to how you do this for everything, right? I don't actually, like, I can't even think of a way to say that to your boss. Uh, but you, you come in from a different angle and go, hey, you know, look, have you thought about it like this? Or like, I actually think that there might be this way of doing it yeah, yeah. with these benefits you know, that can do this thing in a better way or like, you know, maybe have we you should thought try about this. Th- no, not have you thought about it. What about asking for a raise? How would you do that? Me? Quite yeah. frankly, I'd just do it. Like, I'd what would you say? Can I have a raise? Hey man, I've been, you know, like I'd put together my reasons. I've been, I've done my yeah. time. No, <laughs> you know? time, you can't say time. I don't think you say time. One done, thing done I watched. i waiting 12 years of it. <laughs> One thing I watched. <laughs> That I thought was quite cool, but this this is in terms of sales. Um, you go, you, you organize a meeting with your boss. And this isn't my idea. I can't remember where I watched this, but it was, I thought it was fantastic the way he mm. he, he uh, structured it. So you go, you, have, you schedule a meeting with your boss. You don't want to mention anything about you wanting a raise, and you you ask him um, or her, him or her, they. Just go with him or her. You ask him or her yeah. what. Uh, at what growth rate I can grow myself, what what do they consider uh, above and beyond? And you discuss and you see, and you're like, okay, 6%. I think it was 6%, they said. Anyway, whatever percentage you choose. Um, and then you go away, and for the next three to six months, you work on that, and then you come back, and you're like, all right, look, I brought this value to you. I think I deserve a raise, blah, blah, blah. And or you've already changed the conversation because you've, you, you're not, you're not, you're not focusing on you anymore. Cause you're like, all right, I asked what you want. I've delivered that. Can, can we talk about remuneration? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I found that quite interesting when I heard, I was like, okay, how could I apply that in my, in my situation? I found it interesting. And I think it's a level beyond what, you know, maybe I've been thinking about it, mm. you know, I'm 24. I've just really come out of uni and just yeah, ended yeah, the yeah. workforce. So yeah, I haven't yeah. been thinking about exactly what language I would yeah. use. Yeah, I haven't of done the race. it. Yeah, yeah. Whenever it actually, it's talked a bit throughout your psych degree and other things. Is it? And well, maybe not a bit, but 
it definitely like confidence and mm. the difference between certain people and asking phrases and things is is brought up in some broad way you know and so i have thought more about less about what i would say but would i have the confidence and the ability to go and do it yeah yeah you know, who would and who doesn't it, it is yeah you yeah. know and why do some people have it and not you know um it's in the in the whole gender equal pay discussion it's brought up quite a bit yeah that you know, there's research that say females don't ask for raises yeah. as much as men do. Really? Or they don't have the confidence to go and ask and do it the same way that men do or something. There's a difference okay. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, people will harness that to put whatever argument forth they want about the gender gap and why it exists and, you know, victim-blaming ways, etc. But, you know, the research is there to say that some people act differently in this mm. regard. Yeah. So you're saying that that a, that a woman, perhaps with a specific set of skills, can easily have asked, or can easily have asked for the same amount of pay as it's just that they're not doing it as much. No, I'm saying that yeah, some people just don't go and ask mm-hmm. because they don't have the confidence to go and ask to to go. Hey, you know, I'm worth this. Do you say men stereotypically have more confidence? Say, like, we'll go into a conversation and go, I'm worth this, yeah, give me yeah. this. But this is sort of a, going back on sort of our social structure and how, how we've been brought up and, and how, I, don't know, I feel like we're not the right people to talk about this because we're not women, <laughs> but, you know, how women have been brought up in a way or how, how, how our the social difference hierarchy. in between how men and women are raised. Yeah males and females are raised you know like just different groups of people are raised yeah like that's a that's sociology 101 mm. is social constructivism and how you social constructivism well it might be social constructionism it won't like it involves <laughs> the those, word <laughs> a lot it involves most of those syllables yeah in that order some might need to, need to be different but yeah and that you know that's the the theory that our entire behavior is nurture rather than nature Mm. right so it's saying that genetics doesn't have a role or you know like genetics isn't heavily impacted by what we're taught yeah and what are we taught how are we taught it what are we taught by is it just our parents is it you know school is it broader than that is it the entire way our society functions actually impacts who we are and how we are and if you're looking at that from the gender point of view then that is you know from the point you're raised you're told and you see in a lot of people around yeah, you yeah. how different people act, right? Yeah, so yeah. you see that women are, if we go back to the 1950s, you know, and I talk about the hegemonic male and the hegemonic female, which is basically is just that? a phrase that is referring to like a stereotypical way of being feminine and masculine. Right. right? Okay. Yeah. And, you know, 1950s, it's males are breadwinner. They're confident. They go out there. They love to, you yeah. know, like hook up with girls yep. and do all of that kind of stuff. You know, they're macho, they've got muscles yeah, and they're yeah. physically dominant, yeah, etc. Yeah, yeah. Whereas females are demure, they do housework, yep. um, they're emotionally intelligent, yep. but maybe not intellectually intelligent. Yeah, You know, the, all that kind of stuff. You know, those really stereotypical Western beliefs about males and females. Yeah? But I, I definitely think that's changing. Oh, Definitely. If, if, if it's not completely, I, I think there's going to be a complete turnaround because I, I, maybe not in the next 10 years, but I reckon females are going to become the dominant. Um, I think there's going to be a matriarchy instead of a patriarchy. Yeah. I, I reckon at some point in time because there's, there was, I read something somewhere where, I don't know if it's happening in Australia, but in the US, um, the amount of people, the guys that aren't going to university, is, is, is just declining in astronomical, astro, astronomical rate. And the amount of women going to university is going up at an astronomical rate. So you're going to have people, women in, in higher-paid jobs in the future at some point in time, I reckon. All right. I believe. Okay, yeah, I get that. And I hope that yeah? your vision <laughs> becomes a thing. But uh, at the same time, we... In, not we not american Mm. but look at america we just had a you know relatively strong female candidate for presidency hillary 
Yeah, yeah, right. She's not my favorite politician no. ever. I don't have heaps against her, but she's just yeah. not my favorite politician ever. Yeah. Right. Even though she's not my favorite politician, definitely preferred her to the option that happened. Yeah. But uh, people still voted in this vile, sexist dickhead that spoke to the non-elite. Right. He yeah. he presented himself in, yeah. as a non-elite. Right. Yeah. So even you've got even though you've got this incredible lift in the amount of female people attending university getting education and going out there and kicking ass in a like real sense in society Mm -hmm. you've still got all of these other beliefs and factors that are playing into Mm -hmm. traditional roles traditional ideas traditional thoughts and traditional ways of seeing the world and so like you're sitting there going next 10 years i don't see it in the next 10 years do i see it in the future like very possibly i can see how it could happen Mm. i don't know if that's the path that time will go down like you know the society will go down oh we're going back on to trump as Mm. as you didn't say his name i was waiting for you to say his name as he's spoken for everywhere but i think he he look whether it's him or his team intelligence played a certain role um a certain role but played towards people's emotions in order to get himself in there and yeah. he, he wasn't a politician. Cause, and I think the frustration with a lot of politicians is that the results they promise very rarely come true. And Trump is way left field. Like he, he, I can understand how he would have been... Um, uh, what's the word? Voted in, mm-hmm. in, in favour of Hillary. Because Hillary, yes, she was a female, and but... Everything else she represented didn't change much. So all of her uh, philosophies and, and ideologies was quite similar to what they had previously. Yes, I agree. You know, would have having a female president would have been a huge um, step forward. Um, but Trump played towards people who he could emotionally uh, impact, and they're the people who are going to sit, go to those um, polling stations, and vote. You mm. know, and and the issue that. That I think, uh, and whether it's right or wrong, but the issue that they had is that not everyone voted, right? So you got a lot of the politician population that didn't vote, and they would have voted for Hillary more, more than likely, but they didn't think that Trump would get in, so they didn't vote. The good thing about Australia is that they for I think it's a good thing that they force you to vote. I, don't, I mean, definitely also think that, but like I, I didn't mean to put. Clinton v Trump as the yeah, winning battle but I just wanted to highlight that it's even still though happening. That, you know, there has been such progression in feminism and yeah. other things that patriarchy still won out in that case an old white man yeah. who is like hegemonic and tries to be hegemonic but what in if so many ways what if it's that last grab at like power that they have left right you know they're like oh they got, they got Trump or Hillary they're like oh fuck men are going to lose this battle let's just pick this freak in you i'd know? love to think that that could across be across the western world uh, yeah look. it was trump got voted in brexit happened yeah i know Since it was everything brexit happened now boris johnson yeah. is yeah, the prime minister of the uh, united kingdom yeah and we have voted Tony Abbott and Scott Morrison. Yes, that's true. Tony Abbott was a... Not to mention... I don't even know who Scott Morrison is. I haven't been following him at all. Oh, man. Is he our current dude? He is our current. Oh, great. <laughs> he is our current Prime Minister. He's uh, number 50 in the last two years. Thank you. Uh, I stopped listening after Kevin Rudd got... To be honest. That's what he was called. Well, even then, that's a, another powerful example of patriarchy versus matriarchy. You had Julia Gillard come in, yeah. and even though she did come in in questionable circumstances, she was vilified the rest of the time she was in. She actually got to do some really cool work, but she was presented in such a way because she was a woman and attacked in such a way because she was a woman that we don't really attack other men for mm. just to destabilize her regime, yeah, yeah. you know. But they're, they're, atta- they're, but they're attacking from a point because they've never had that before so they don't know how to put them down so that they're, they're going the only way that's different to themselves probably this is only how, i'm just trying to guess what they'd say not that it's a good thing but it's no, showing no. you that that you know people are realizing that things are changing well things changed and then here we went <laughs> back to a few incredibly patriarchal choices mm. you know and true yeah, yeah it's a fair point 
I mean, I, we've strayed a bit from conformity, but I guess now we're discussing about the conformity to the patriarchy that society yeah. has continued to do. But it's... Society just acts in that way a lot of the time. It acts in ways that are comfortable. It has a knee-jerk reaction when you bring up something new and it goes, no. But we need to conform yeah, to what yeah. we're comfortable to. And I guess, like... If I was to sum up everything we talked about right now, it is actually that people will conform to what they're comfortable yeah. doing. Right? A yeah. person in that age study is putting up their hand to say the same thing as everything else. Because in the end, we're social beings that want to get along with each other. We want to be accepted. We want to be accepted, right? I, I, I can take that into the mental health like area. I can take that into politics. I can take that into so many different places. We are just people that want to be accepted by other people. Mm-hmm. But when we see something new, something that's so big, something that's confronting, something like the matriarchy or, you know, an atheist talking to a Catholic about their inherent beliefs about Mm. how the world happens, we see the new message, I believe, as something that and a lot of people believe that will destabilize our understanding of our world and reality. And that's... I believe why we get so uncomfortable and because we are reactionary beings as as, as I've said to you before we don't stop we don't think we don't contemplate we don't reach for that bit of evidence or like informed decision making that some people do some people do yeah I I often need to make this caveat with people I talk with (laughs) is that I often talk in absolutes. Yes, you do. (laughs) But my beliefs are anything but. Yeah. Right? So in my head, I'm talking about a population of people, you know, this big. I'm pointing to the camera now. Um, In case people aren't watching the video and they're only listening, I'm holding my finger to a certain width. All right? And I'm talking about that population. Right? I'm talking about a a population of about a two-inch space. But I acknowledge that humanity is an incredibly diverse range of beings that cannot fit into a two-inch space. That's one population. The human population comprises hundreds and hundreds of two-inch spaces, you know? That often gets me into trouble because I don't acknowledge it at the start a lot of the time. And it is something fundamental to how I think Mm. that I don't express. So you don't, sometimes you, you're so caught up in, in what you're trying to get across or your view that you forget to give a sort of baseline yeah, to other people. 100%. You know, like, I can't open every conversation I have with, I am talking about <laughs> this cohort of yeah. people with this problem and, you know, X, Y, Z factors. But sometimes you know, it might be better because... Well, you... that's why I went into research, <laughs> because they forced me to do that in my method section. Do they? <laughs> You've got to define who you're talking about, because yeah, otherwise people don't research know. is meaningless. Well, yeah, like, I've noticed that at work, like... You you go in thinking this and you you explain it and there's little people look at you with dumbfounded looks like no one understand what the frick I said. All right, this is what I was trying to achieve, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's the same principle. Um, it happened at that information night I was telling you I went to the other week where you know we all talked about a certain topic. Yeah. In response to something I said, you know, I find it helpful to be mindful and spend half an hour processing the fact that I got angry, and then okay, yeah, after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I understand why I was angry. Mm. And this other girl went, yeah, but everyone processes differently and that process might work for you. And Mm. in my head, I'm like, yes. Like, that's just my response to her is yes. Because to me, I was talking about me and I knew I was talking about me. I didn't preface it with that's how I process things and other people. Like, there's diversity in the world and Mm. people are a diverse bunch. Mm. You know, to me, that's possibly because the fact that I did psychology and it's talked about so much in that, that mm. it's just a given to me in mm. conversation mm. that people are diverse, you know? And so, yeah. But it gets, it gets me into trouble because I don't say it a lot of the time. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe, I mean, and this is, I don't even know if this is, might be an idea. Maybe people just want to feel important and you acknowledging that they exist, even though you're implying it, maybe brings value to them oh 100 percent. people yeah. are like we have the need to feel acknowledged as yeah, well. yeah exactly and yeah. it would be helpful if i did all the time you know and but 
I'm sure people listening about. and us talking like there are times where we don't define everything we're talking about to the nth degree and no it's you it's, know it's it, well it extends your talking your talking your conversations to another humongous degree because <laughs> you're like all right this is also introduction body conclusion yeah and if you do that for everything it, it get quite frustrating i already speak enough already, <laughs> you know i already have a lot to say um and maybe it just speaks to my intellectual ability that I think that adding all of that stuff beforehand would distract me from what I would then say. <laughs> you know? Yes, but you also need to think of your audience and, and they're the people who, who, are, who are going to be intaking all that information from your brain to yes. my head. Definitely. And if you want to sell anything, whether it's a research paper, whether it's a car, whether it's a phone, you have to have that ability, which is... Uh, and in the right setting... I do. <laughs> and for future podcasts, I will. <laughs> doesn't have to be learning. For, doesn't have to be for podcasts. Whatever no, you want to do in life. Whatever I want to do in life. Mm. Need to think about the audience of who you're talking to and what you want them to hear. Okay. Yeah. So I think we've gone up over so many topics. It's not just conformity and stuff. They, like it is interesting though. It, it, I think it kind I, of I could tie them all to conformity. In you could. That's so what I was doing before. Is trying to get everything together into this. We are conformative beings that like right. to feel as if we're in a society, and we get threatened when things yeah, attack yeah, yeah, that yeah. bubble yep. of safety, right? And is that matriarchy? Yes. Is that me talking to a religious person going hey you've so, just come at me saying this thing and i'm saying this is my belief yes there's, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. discomfort on both sides is it when this person comes to me with an uninformed decision about palestine and i go there's research about this mm. read it before you start saying things that you don't understand and i need to do more research on it as well i'm not saying i know everything mm-hmm. you know like everyone needs to do better in that front to know more and maybe when that happens, we'll be feel less threatened mm. because, well, I know I feel less threatened when I have a body of evidence to be able to inform my decision on. You know, when someone comes up to me and says, hey, have you thought about this? Uh, so when, we had a bit of uh, technical difficulties and yes. my recording device stopped recording. So I believe I was saying that people get threatened yes. when views counter to their own are attacked. Well, views that... Counter their own. Counter their own are presented. Yep. Sorry. Um, but I believe people feel more comfortable. I know I feel more comfortable when I have a body of evidence that I can go, hey, this is actually why I've informed my decision on this. Mm. So it's not just a, this is my argument. Mm. It's a, this is my argument. And these are the premises to that argument mm. that are why to me that argument rings true. Mm. And, you know if you want to have a discussion about premise one, premise two and premise three and try to, you know, make them less sound so that the argument isn't valid anymore, let's do it. Mm. You know, but like I have the ability to talk about this on an educated, informed level. That makes me feel empowered. Yeah. That makes me feel as though I can come to other conversations without feeling threatened. So it's sort of anything that makes you feel that sense of back on comfort. <laughs> yeah, it, but it's it's it allows me to have the perspective of well, these are my premises. Yeah, and if my premises are wrong, maybe the argument's wrong. Okay, so and there's nothing wrong with that. So let's let's just go. You say philosophy. Yeah, you're an atheist. If someone came to you with proof of a god. Like, like like absolute proof. Okay, so th- this is how, how would I've that been... how would that no, but no, no. Like, yeah. let's just say that there was legitimate proof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the... How would you how would you respond? Like, it... this is how I've been explaining my situation towards supernatural beings lately. Mm. It it pivots on the difference between belief and me, like an absolute truth that I know. I don't know the absolute truth. No one no, knows no one the does. absolute truth, right? My God belief... Could be exactly. And it could be, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's legitimate. <laughs> it could, could actually... They my, could be right. Yeah. And my belief, unlike some other people, 
is that there is no God. With everything that I have put together throughout my culminated experience in life, Mm. I do not believe that there is a supernatural being that has created or dictated the world. I don't know what has. I can... We could do a whole other podcast on it. It's one of my favorite lessons in philosophy that I was ever taught was like the ways in which the universe could have happened from a non-religious stag standpoint. Okay. Um, just it just talks about like there being a first thing that then led to everything else. So like either a god or the first atom, yeah, etc. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, or whether time has actually always existed, oh, or if there's a circular loop. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah, before yeah, yeah. that my mind was blown because it made me sit there and go, "Holy shit." I've never thought about this before. I've I've always I've always put a lot of power into the into logic. I've always mm. thought logic is the way to answer things mm. and think and act. I'm not a Vulcan from Star Trek or whatever the other ones. Are. I think Vulcan. they're the ones that are absolutely love the logic. Yeah. Uh, Spock. Spock was one. I don't know. I, I don't believe. Know. I've never seen Star Trek. The long process. Yeah, I'm not I'm not much of a Star Trek guy, but I do believe it was the Vulcans. Uh, but yeah, come I've, I've like, it wasn't the Vulcans; <laughs> it was Jared. And that'll be a hundred comments on this with nothing else. You know? <laughs> Star Trek. Hey, if they did, that means they got an hour in. Fair point. Great points. Um, you got to look on the bright side. It's all about hey, framing. It's all, it's all about the framing and the positive right mindset. That's all it is. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I've, uh, fuck, how did we get onto that logic? I always put a lot of belief into the power of logic. Mm. And then that argument, uh, that discussion made me go, well, every possibility as to how we got here is illogical. So let's embrace it. Mm. Um, I'll tie that back now into the other <laughs> thing we were talking about, which was, uh, religion and how i would react if someone went i thought you 100 a thing about god i thought you were going to relate it back to conformity i was like how is he going to do this there's no way you're going to i'm not going to test you let's just just keep going yeah so my the way i explain my personal beliefs now is that i don't know it's just all the evidence has pointed me to believe that there Mm. isn't Mm -hmm. i completely acknowledge the fact that there could be a supernatural being that exists in a nth dimension that i can never personally experience in any way Mm. i just don't believe that's the case Mm. i don't believe that i mean i have trouble with monotheistics religions like perspective storytelling like you know they're like this thing happened and that thing happened and that is how god is you know if there is a god then i just believe it's a powerful being that created Mm. stuff Mm. um I don't think that it went... It's like it's like uh, uh, Sims. He's like, oh, shit, what happens if this happens? <laughs> what the hell is he doing? <laughs> you know, Why is he doing that? Why is he naked in the pool? Yeah, a supernatural being may exist. I don't think it's necessarily... Is that your stomach? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Sorry to go off topic. That's, that's, that's like the second time it's... I heard it before. Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah. I was like, that's not me. Anyway, so sometimes a man gets hungry. And yeah, sometimes yeah. We ate. Tim Tam. We already ate. Yeah, but there's a Tim Tam in the car. All right, just keep Tim going. We're on the. But real... yeah, um, this this I believe a being may have existed and created shit. I don't believe it would be mm. the Christian God or the mm. Jewish God or the you know Muslim God in the way that they believe that God is. You know, like some religions believe God is vindictive and mm. wants you to pray to it, etc. Mm. I believe that it would just be some being who did stuff and we'll never know exactly what its motivations were, etc. Um, could be an alien. Could be an alien. Was like, I mean, well, by definition, it would be an alien because it's different to... Okay, smarty pants. I, I mean, mean, different to... I mean, it could be different... Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's I, quite I, alien to us. Whatever. Uh, I, mean, yeah. I didn't mean... I meant, like, not a supernatural being. Yeah. It was just someone yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or something that a, a was further evolved yeah. than humans yeah. you know so yeah I, I i'm never gonna say that well unless if we get irrefutable evidence i'm not gonna say that that's impossible mm. because it's completely possible mm. it just doesn't make any sense to me given what i know about the yeah, world same. and universe yeah. you know um and so there are heaps of other positive ideas that you can bring about that could potentially be um what exists and you can choose to believe those more positive outcomes. Like it, to me, you have so much choice of what everything could be. Um, 
why wouldn't you choose one of those? Like, for example, the one that I've, I, I love, and then I, I don't know if I've talked to you about this before. It's not positive, but the way, the way it ends is quite cool. So it's the idea that everyone, every living being, past, present, future, all of universe is just you having to experience everything to become an understanding of, of everything, to have that understanding of everything. So you have to be God, you have to be me, you have to be you, you have to be M, you have to be everyone, yeah. right? You have to be ants, you have to be the bees. And with that combined knowledge, once you've completed time, you just get that understanding. And I think that's a cool... I don't know why. I like the idea of that being the end. Like, that would just be wicked. You just wake up and be like, all right, now, that was a freaking long day. That was one hell of a dream. That was one hell of a dream. <laughs> like, freaking Jesus had it tough. Bloody hell. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a fantasy nerd and I love sci-fi movies and stuff. Yeah, so Matrix would be great. Exactly. Yeah. As you know, what if we did experience every other reality? Mm. But now we're truly off topic. We are. Uh, I think we should just end it there. So that was a topic of conformity and other topics too. It's very, very loosely conformity. I, I did try to tie it back into it. Um, Don't worry. I think we, we went we way. We went on a lot of, lot of journeys, there, yeah. a lot of tangents, and uh, people will learn from it what they will. Well, it was a bit of fun. Yes. Well, thank you for coming on. It was the first time I've ever done a podcast. Yeah, thank right. you for inviting me. Uh, I don't know if we're supposed to ask this, but you know, if, if people want to to contact you you're on facebook and what's not <laughs> do, you, do you want to do that or no you just like be that enigma they can go through you okay they'll go get through to me. me all right thanks uh, for listening guys yeah this is the end with gabriel iglesias <laughs>